0: Before we get to the show this week, I'd like to ask if you would please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Remember, you can find us both on Fandable or our own dedicated Solo Shot feed. Thanks for listening to the Solo Shot. On Yavin 4, the Rebels have almost cleared the planet, but one freighter is lagging behind. Castian, Bone, and Laris begin a search and rescue operation. Laris drops the Howling Gundark out of hyperspace in the Yavin system. Out of the viewport, you see the gas giant of Yavin, a truly massive planet. And you see a number of small ships in the
1: system. Castian is hovering over Laris, probably for the first time since they left the asteroid. He had been giving her plenty of space, and he leans forward and mutters. They're scattered around quite a bit. I don't think it's an Imperial blockade. Unless you're picking up anything.
0: I am well aware of what an Imperial blockade looks like.
1: I'm not saying you're not aware of that. uh...
0: And over the communication systems, you hear a voice demand. Unidentified ship, what is your calling?
1: And there's a brief pause before Castian looks towards Laris and say, I wouldn't want to speak out of turn. You are the captain.
0: Laris flips a couple of switches to activate her communications. This is Captain Jane of the Howling Gundark. We are here on a humanitarian mission. There is a long silence.
1: Should we say that we were sent by Nibara?
0: They have made no hostile actions. I believe it prudent to wait to see what their next move is. We currently have the upper hand of information. We do not want to give them more than we have on them.
1: Aye, aye, Captain.
0: After what feels like a far too long of a pause, the voice comes back. Howling dark. Please rendezvous above the fourth
1: moon. We'll have more direction for you there. Castian nods his head before taking his seat and he's just watching over the sensors. Of course Laris can do the same thing, but again, they're not really talking as much as just kind of interacting around each other. And as Laris heads towards the moon, Castian's just keeping an eye for anything unusual. Maybe even trying to see if there's any sign of Whatever was destroyed by the rebels.
0: Oh, I like that. Let's make this a computer's check because it's not just you looking out the window for something. You have to interpret the data that the computer is spitting back at you.
1: What's the difficulty?
0: This is going to be hard. There is a lot of noise out there in space right now.
1: Everything canceled out. No successes, no failures, just nothing.
0: There's a lot of activity in the system. There's all of these ships coming and going around the fourth moon. You're pretty sure none of them are Imperial, but you can't tell what is space dust from debris.
1: Castian opens his mouth to say something, just to make note to Laris about what he's trying to do, but then he just stops and shakes his head, and instead just goes back and tries to find anything again and again, but he keeps on falling into the same trap, trying to scan near a gas giant such as Yavin. Is rather difficult because there is a lot of radio signals just coming and bouncing off of a gas giant. Kind of interferes with sensors. Which is probably why the rebels used Gavin 4 as a base of operations to mask themselves.
0: Upon approaching the fourth moon, you can see that it is a very green planet. Looks like it's mostly covered by jungle. And the voice that had called in earlier once again pops up on the communications of the fourth moon has been completed already. However, we still have one crew that is down on the surface of the moon.
1: They reported a coolant leak
0: and apparently have not been able to repair it. Do you have the supplies to
1: do so? Castian leans back with a data pad in his hand just scanning through it and then he looks towards Laris. Yeah, we have plenty of supplies to fix a coolant leak and more if they need it uh, to drop it off anywhere.
0: Yes, we do have the supplies to fix a coolant leak. We also have additional engineering and medical supplies
1: should anyone need it
0: you know for now i'm transmitting the last known coordinates of our missing crew
1: and castian's waiting before saying we got him yes it seems to be on the uh one of the larger continents
0: they're all large continents there is only eight percent water on the surface of yavin 4 well
1: then i guess i wasn't wrong was i it's one large continent it's on the larger continent
0: laris gives you a withering
1: look i don't even look at her i just look away at the data pad i'm technically right which is the best sort of right
0: oh dear coordinates received we will be in communication again when we have retrieved your missing crew I hope that's true Captain Jane over and out
1: over and out please
0: transmit the coordinates to pilot control
1: and Castian does
0: and she takes the howling Gundark down into the jungles of Yavin 4 still silent
1: After about a minute or two of just watching the trees get closer and closer, Castian does clear his throat. I'm not finding much in our databanks about Yavin 4. There's some old skirmishes that I've read about, but nothing to say that this is anything more than just a jungle moon that is occasionally used by pirates and I suppose now rebels.
0: Imperial records show that this planet is effectively a dead planet, while wow, there is lush jungles here, there is very little animal life and no minerals.
1: No minerals? That's a little strange, yes?
0: It is a large galaxy with a long history. Nothing is too strange.
1: I suppose not. And Castian takes a seat and just makes sure the harness is set in just in case there's turbulence. Even though there's plenty of turbulence inside the cockpit. <laughs>
0: Laris is a seasoned and professional pilot, so there is no turbulence. You're entering into a clearing. It looks like one that was kind of hastily made. You still see fallen tree trunks and clear-cut stumps. And about a dozen or so meters away is where you see another small ship. It's about the same size as the Howling Gundark, a small transport.
1: Castian looks out the window, and he's just trying to see if there's any sign of people on the ship, around the ship, waiting outside, any guards on patrol, anything like that.
0: Nothing that you can see from here.
1: Castian kind of wrinkles his nose before looking back towards Laris. I'll, uh, go out and make introductions. Let's make this as quick as possible. Just earn our brownie points and, uh, get out of this situation, yes?
0: Yes. You should take Bone with you.
1: Uh, Yeah. Not a problem. And Castian stands up and he is moving towards the door. But then he stops and looks over his shoulder and lets out a sigh. I'm sorry. Indeed. There's. I- (sighs) He takes a deep breath before just kind of turning back towards the hallway and moves towards the back of the ship where the ramp is located. Bound, come along. Oh, it's grass and rock. Your wheels will be fine. And he is lowering the ramp of the ship and making his way down. Of course, before he does so, he makes sure that he has a blaster, some vibro knives, and his lightsaber is hidden away inside his jacket. And yes, Castian is wearing kind of a jacket because his reinforced armor got messed up. So he's just kind of wearing normal civilian clothing. Nothing that really gives him much protection. So he moves out into the jungle, looks around for a second before mumbling towards Bone. If I was a rebel group and I was having a coolant leak, I would probably have a god keeping watch just in case the Empire made an appearance, wouldn't you say, Bone? Yes. It's weird. Come on. And we are moving towards that ship, keeping an eye out for anything Weird.
0: While it is a sunny day on Yavin 4, this is still a jungle, and so the ground is a little bit muddy. Nothing that Bone's wheels can't handle, but you're definitely leaving thick footprints in the mud as you are walking towards the ship. As you keep an eye out in the forest, it's eerily quiet. A jungle like this should be filled with bird song and chittering of insects. And yet all you hear is the faint rustle of leaves through the treetops.
1: Castian narrows his eyes and moves closer to the ship. This time his movement is more of a person trying to sneak instead of just boldly making his presence known. This does not feel right to Castian at all.
0: And as you continue your approach, you also don't hear any man-made sounds. There is no sound of crew members calling out to each other, no sound of tools in the engine or on the ship. It is also eerily silent.
1: Castine pulls out his communicator and contacts Laris. Laris, this seems a little weird out here. This job might be a little bit more complicated. I'll keep you informed. Please do. And he turns off his communicator and moves towards the ship.
0: When you get close to the ship, you can see that the landing ramp is down. So the access to the ship is completely open. You see that there are several sets of footprints in the mud around the ship, all look human. But you don't see any people.
1: He moves towards the ramp, hesitates for a second or two before clearing his throat. Hello.
0: Bone beeps out a hello as well. Nothing.
1: Okay, Bone, I want you to stay out here and just scan the area. See if you can get any signs of life. Well, I know it's a jungle and it's not that easy to find a human and it would be like a needle in a haystack, but I'll take those odds right now. I'll go into the ship. I'll be fine. I am always fine. Okay, I'm going to ignore that. And Castian walks into the ship, his hand resting on his blaster.
0: And when you get into the ship, it's a normal little transport ship. No people.
1: Castian also takes a sniff of the air, looks around. Do I smell anything that would be hinting at like a coolant leak or a chemical leak?
0: No. Of course, some of the deadliest gases can't be smelled.
1: Castian wrinkles his nose at that before looking back down the ramp towards Bone. Bone, the coolant area that would be in for this vessel, would that be near the front of the ship or engine? Engine, thank you. And Castian moves towards the engine room.
0: There is nothing standing in the way of you entering the engine room. And when you get in there, you see an engine. Tools are all stored properly. There's no sign of a struggle or people leaving quickly.
1: Castian knows some mechanics, so he's going to try to figure out where the coolant system is and see how bad the damage is there first.
0: Give me a mechanics roll. This is easy.
1: I got two successes.
0: There is nothing wrong with the coolant system on this ship. There is nothing wrong with anything in this engine.
1: Castian checks, then double checks, and then triple checks, and then mumbles. That's odd. And then he pulls out his communicator. There's, there's nothing... Wrong with the engine. I'm checking it out right now, and while I'm not the best engineer, I know what a coolant leak looks like, and according to the console right here, there's an abundance of coolant. Is it
0: possible they have just prepared
1: it? Possible, but I thought they required our aid, and I would think that they wouldn't abandon a ship so quickly. I'm gonna look into the bridge, see if I can find anything there. Maybe they left a note or some clue. Just, again, keep an eye out for anything that's peculiar. This is starting to feel a little weird. Oh, and if you could scan, maybe there is a settlement nearby, a camp that we weren't aware of. Maybe they're there. Understood. Thank you. I'll be back. And Castian is going to walk out of this engine room and head towards, I guess it would be the cockpit. He's looking for a console or a note or anything.
0: Going to the cockpit... You once again find a pristine area of the ship. Once again, no signs that anything is wrong.
1: Castian looks through everything in the ship, honestly. There's a couple boxes that he picks up. At one point he drops one of the boxes, and it looks like for some reason there had been a metal that had been stashed there. A rather large metal, but he just ignores it. And he continues looking around before finally turning towards a console and he activates it and sees if it's unlocked. It is. Cassian's looking for any sign of a captain's log or if not, the last thing that has been recorded or anything of that nature.
0: You find the ship's running log of everything that happens on the ship. It's a very routine computer file. It's keeping track of when doors have been opened, when they were shut, When maintenance was performed, when was the last time somebody activated a communications console or anything like that. And what you see is the last entry was about a day ago, 24 hours or so, and six crew members left the
1: ship. Do I see any sign of like how many crew members there were? There were six. That doesn't make sense. He mumbles to himself. Why would you leave... With everybody, unless there is an emergency.
0: Now, if you would like, you may make a computer's check to see if you can dig up anything else in this console.
1: Difficulty? Average. I got two successes, but three threats.
0: With two successes, what you can access are the audio security recordings on the ship. This ship is not unlike the Howling Gundark. It is not top of the line. You definitely know the Rebels are kind of operating with whatever ships they can get their hands on. They're a much more ragtag group than the Regency is. So the security system on the ship is not state-of-the-art, and it is audio-only. But you do find those logs.
1: Castian's activating the logs,
0: And you overhear two crew members having a discussion. Hey, uh,
1: you heard that we're not the first people on the flight, right? Of course we are not. We are many rebels on this planet. No, no, I mean, like, there's been civilizations before and they, they probably left stuff. Of course there aren't civilizations. There are temples that we have been seeing all throughout this entire place. Do you think that uh, the rebels built that before they landed? What I'm saying is, where there's temples, there's stuff. And we're a little short on the credits right now, right? I suppose so. i sure all the temples have already been looted, uh, the big ones at least. Then we go for the small one. I picked one up on the sensors. It's a couple hours walk from here. Uh, I don't know if Branson would allow such trivial curiosities to be sated. It's not trivial if we say that the credits are gonna go back to the cause. The royal coffers from Alderaan ain't gonna suffice forever. I suppose you are right. Huh. Castian mumbles. Okay. And the person brought up that they were able to pick up a structure a couple kilometers away. Castian knows that you can't just pick up a structure unless you have some heavy sensor equipment, like in a ship. So he's going to start digging up the sensor logs to see if he can correlate between the dates of the audio and like a sensor readout. hmm
0: As you dig into this, this is a mystery, Castian, and you like mysteries. You like puzzles. You like to really focus on figuring something out, especially in the state that you're kind of in where you haven't been resting and have been doing everything you can to avoid thinking about the pain and trauma that you've been through. So Bone starts beeping at you, rather concerned.
1: It's fine. I'm digging into something.
0: His concern is getting a little more insistent.
1: He finally turns away from the computer as he's downloading the sensor logs into his data pad. What is it, Bone? Castian furrows his brow before saying, look up, what? And he looks up.
0: Remember those three
1: threats you had? Yes. There is a very rapidly
0: blinking red light directly above you.
1: Castian blinks, I think grabs his data pad, stands up and says, it, "That's. it's not going to explode, is it?
0: Yeah, I need you to give me an athletics roll to avoid an explosion. This is going to be hard. And let's have you roll for bone as well. Just kind of fold this in and take two setback dice.
1: And I am going to be using athletics along with my force. I got one success. I got two light side and I got a dark side. All right. Castian grabs hold of bone And just launches himself, carrying Bone, which is like 50 pounds of just mechanical whirling dome. And he is pushing himself at a speed that most humans can't really reach. And he is diving, diving out of the landing ramp.
0: And the ship explodes behind you, starting at the cockpit and the rest of the ship following in rapid succession.
1: And that's the only reason Castian makes it out, because if it had started anywhere else, he would have been hit in the blast. So as it starts exploding, Castian is doing a force leap away from this thing, carrying Bone the entire way. And even the blast hits him in the back as he is midway in the air, launching him further. And he slams into, like, the jungle floor, rolling a bit, but trying to take the brunt of the damage for Bone.
0: Laris is immediately on the communicator. Cassian, what happened?
1: Uh, Laris. when I said this is probably going to be an easy mission, I really was banking on that not being an ironic statement. Please don't hold this against me. And then he just kind of drops his hand from his communicator and just lays there, just catching his breath. Yes, Bone. Yes, no, I heard the popping too. And he pushes Bone upwards and then sits forward. Oh, stars! There's, the ship was set to self-destruct. I must have tripped something when I was looking through the, the data. It looks like the crew abandoned the ship at some point, maybe to investigate some ruins, but apparently decided to make it so no one could follow them. Stay where you are. Will do, Castian says as he kind of just leans back against a tree and he pulls out his datapad make sure that it's still on, and honestly, to make sure he was able to get some of that data that was downloading. You were. As he waits for Laris, he is trying to pull up the last sensor log that they ran to see if he could figure out where this ruin they had been speaking about.
0: Those sensors picked up a couple of ruins nearby. Several of them were large complexes.
1: Castian's completely negating those. He's looking for smaller ones.
0: And you do find a smaller one... That is four or five kilometers away. A couple hours walk.
1: Okay. That's probably where they went. He mumbles as he gets into a better seating position. And he looks towards Bone and holds up his data pad for Bone to read. I'm going to go here. Get a uh, scan of the area. See if there's anything that you can pick up in that direction. And Caston's going to start standing up. And Bone whistles at you. I know, Laris said, wait, and I'm waiting. I'm just standing up. And Bone rolls on his
0: wheels to make sure that he's right in front of you.
1: Castian rolls his eyes and just remains seated. And he waits.
0: You only have to wait a couple of minutes more before you hear
1: movement in the underbrush. Castian looks towards the movement.
0: Captain Laris, I do declare that I sense the final location straight ahead.
1: Why do I always take Bone on the ships that explode? Skidder is a much more appealing target. He says loud enough for Skidder to hear.
0: Indeed, Captain Laris, I hear him. Ahead.
1: Laris, I'm over here. And Castian stands up, giving Bone a glower before just waving his hand towards wherever she's coming from.
0: And after a moment, Laris and Skidder appear through the jungle underbrush.
1: Was the Howling Gundark damaged with the explosion nearby?
0: No, it is fine.
1: Good, I think I'm okay. A little bruised, but nothing too damaged. Let me take a look. And Castine just nods his head and leans against the tree. He's going to accept this since, you know, he's still kind of recovering from that broken collarbone.
0: And Laris uses the newly restocked med kit to take a look at you. Seems like you've suffered only a couple of scrapes and had the breath knocked out of you. You are fine.
1: I am. It seems like this entire crew decided to abandon ship. I caught a recording of two of them talking about hunting for artifacts to sell on the black market in order to get some money for the Rebellion. They brought up finding a smaller temple nearby. They might have gone that direction.
0: That seems like a reasonable hypothesis. We should follow.
1: Do you not want to stay with the ship?
0: There is nothing on this planet that could be a danger to it now that the only other ship present has exploded. <sighs>
1: All right, um...
0: Indeed, it is time for an adventure. I have been cooped up on that ship for far too long. I need to stretch my legs.
1: Skidder, I need you to stay on the ship and watch make sure no one steals it.
0: Captain Jane, what say you? I do worry about the effect of the jungle humidity on your joints. Indeed, I had not considered that, Captain. Thank you for your dedicated leadership as always. And he turns about and goes back to the ship.
1: Castian hesitates just for a second before rolling his eyes and says, Skidder, hold on. And he looks towards Laris. That ship might have exploded, but we could maybe salvage some of the resources that were more protected. We could have Skidder look to see if there's anything worth saving for ourselves.
0: Skidder, if you would not mind doing a salvage mission as well, that could be quite helpful. Indeed, I live only to assist the crew of the Howling Gundark.
1: Onward! Right, Bone, help him wherever you can. Leading you through the jungle is probably not the easiest thing to do, given your mobility issues. Uh, don't worry, we'll have a side adventure with Skitter. I'm sure it will be filled with excitement and, and drama, and by the end of it, we'll come back uh, better and more wise droid for it. Uh, Laris, let's grab the survival packs from the ship and we'll make the trek. Lead the way. And Castian and Laris load up on the ship, grabbing survival gear, food, water, things that would be useful for a five kilometer walk. It's five kilometers?
0: Right. It's still going to take a couple of hours to make it there just because of the rough terrain of going through a jungle, as well as there are some pretty sharp changes in elevation.
1: Not a problem. Castian and Jane are moving along and then they're heading into the jungle.
0: Laris isn't a chatty sort of person. Does Castian do anything to fill the silence or try to engage her?
1: Yes, actually he does. About 40 minutes into this, as they're making their way across a fallen log over a stream, Castian looks towards Laris and says, This has been a while. What has? You and me having an adventure together. Usually you're on the ship, sitting at the console, and I am being thrown about like a ragdoll.
0: This is not an adventure. This is a rescue mission.
1: Oh, fine. It's a rescue mission, but it's a mission. So how is this, um, how's, how, how's your head? Castian winces as that's the way he's decided to ask her how she's been since her operation.
0: I have no complaints about my head.
1: Just your motions. Just, you know, I, I know we never really got to address a lot of things with... The state of the galaxy as it is, I just wanted to make sure that you are acclimating to your current condition.
0: It is a large galaxy with a lot of problems, and my concerns do not amount to a dune of beans. You have never heard Laris use an idiom before.
1: Castian doesn't even know what an idiom is, but he knows it's unique to this situation, and Castian uh, takes out his canteen to refill at the stream takes a sip, passes it on to Laris. She takes a sip as well. And then he looks at her. Well, I can't be there for the rest of the galaxy. I can at least stop by the dune of beans on occasion to make sure I haven't overstepped.
0: That is not a proper use of the idiom.
1: I'm not very smart. We all know this. Cassian looks down and then rubs at his brow. I didn't mean to make this decision. And that does not mean I should be forgiven about dragging you on this mission I'm you needed the rest as much as I needed the rest I, I get that it was just I, I I'm not when I'm moving when I'm focusing on not getting shot I'm not thinking about cerise. I'm not thinking about the anger I felt when I realized that it was a fool's errand to try to see if she was alive, that she had died, how close I was to just
0: murdering
1: everything. I, I was being selfish, Laris, and I know a big surprise coming from me. I was just thinking of myself and. That's not an excuse. That's just what happened. And I acknowledge I should be a better friend than that. I'm sorry.
0: I understand and I accept your apology. Does she?
1: Castian kind of watches her. Not sure if this is just a new way of how she speaks now that she has that chip that has been removed. Or if this is a lie. But for now, he's just going to take it. Then he just nods his head.
0: I do not know how to stop thinking. What do you mean? I am used to running computations constantly. Analyzing the situation, analyzing the vessel that I am on, making the most minute decisions that you were never aware of in order to keep everything moving as safely and swiftly as possible. I no longer have the ability to regulate that. It never interfered with how I operated before. It now does.
1: I get how that could be challenging. I never had to deal with that, but... I suppose we're both in need of learning new skills. New ways of thinking. It does get easier. How do you know? Because if I can change, anyone can change. We've already established... I'm not very smart, and you're the smartest person I know. You will figure out a way to manage this, and if not, we will figure out a way to find someone to help us. And I... And I suppose I should say...
0: You hear something in the distance, a branch cracking.
1: Casting immediately stands up, and his hand drops to his blaster, and he's looking towards the direction of that cracking branch.
0: Give me a perception check. This is going to be a hard perception check. One of those is going to be upgraded. And I will give you two boost dice for Laris's help.
1: I got two advantages, two successes, and a despair.
0: Oh, as you look in the direction of that broken branch sound, at first you don't hear or see anything, and then you realize that the leaves in the trees above you, but still a little ways ahead of you, aren't moving with the wind. There is something in the canopy of the jungle.
1: Castian looks towards Larissa and then kind of uses his eyes to signal where she should be looking. And then he pulls out his blaster and then aims it directly up at the tree.
0: You stand there with your blaster raised for a long minute until something pokes out of the canopy. Do you shoot or do you wait?
1: Castian waits.
0: You see a furry primate face, colors of yellow and orange and blue poking down through the canopy.
1: Castian wrinkles his nose a little bit before lowering his blaster and says, Dalaris, do you know what that is?
0: I do not have a record of it. It does seem to be some sort of native primate, however.
1: Castian walks towards it before mumbling, Hey, little guy. Do You happen to see a couple of rebels walk by? Six of them?
0: The head pops back into the canopy.
1: Okay, well, don't be helpful. You've been very useless, like all animals. You know, there's a delightful little place at Junkford Station that would cook you up and serve you with mustard.
0: You hear the leaves continue to rattle. There's a lot of rattling. A few more heads begin to pop down.
1: I was kidding. Not, I mean, you're far too bony uh, for such a, a delicacy. You just stay there. I'm sorry for interrupting you. And Castian is going to try to retreat away from this tree of monkeys.
0: They are woolamanders.
1: That is the cutest name ever.
0: As you start to walk away, you hear a startled sound from Laris. Oh.
1: And Castian turns and looks towards her.
0: She is staring at her shoulder where a tiny baby woolamander has perched and its fingers are running along her cybernetic, starting to
1: groom her. What, what is it? It's it's just a primate. I'm sure it's fine. It's it's doing what primates do, which is
0: why, is... why is it on me?
1: It's just on... Just relax. I need please you to... Re-
0: get. Please get it off and, of me. Cassian, get it off of me.
1: Castian is moving towards her, trying to get this thing off of her.
0: How are you going to get it off of her? Do you want to try to charm it? Do you want to do it quickly? You tell me how you want to get this poor little baby woolamander off of the increasingly scared Laris.
1: There is a reason why Castian likes droids, because they're not erratic like living creatures. So honestly, Castian probably is doing the wrong thing and he's just trying to quickly remove this thing from her.
0: So what do you think? This be athletics or, I hate the sound of it, but brawl, kind of like an unarmed grapple?
1: You know what? I think the brawl would make more sense. It it is a grapple to grab it. So yeah, I, I would go with brawl, but I'm not trying to damage it.
0: So we're going to make this... An average brawl check, and I'm going to give you one setback die because not only are animals erratic and unpredictable, but all of a sudden Laris is once again erratic and unpredictable.
1: Castian got one triumph. There we go. Not only do I not damage it, I reach out with just an expert hand and grab it in a way that it almost seems like it's playing and it climbs onto my palm and Castian moves it away from Laris.
0: What's it going to do to you now
1: and Castian holds out his hand and just waits and says like nothing it's a baby it's just curious see it's it, he slowly brings it closer to him with his triumph and pets it on the head I used to have a uh, a toad uh, when I was working at a mud farm that was just it just wants to be acknowledged and pet hello hello there creature uh, whatever you are you are adorable. Um, And Castian then reaches into his pack and pulls out like a ration cracker and hands it to this creature.
0: And it takes it in both of its hands and starts to nibble on it, kind of like corn on the cob, you know, from left to right, right to left, leaving lots of crumbs.
1: And Castian carefully moves towards that tree where he saw a bunch of those heads poke out and gets it close to one of the branches.
0: And a long arm dips down from the canopy and scoops up the baby
1: and Castian nods towards this long arm and then backs away and then Castian looks back towards Laris and then breaks into a laugh <laughs>
0: I failed to see the humor in this situation
1: you, you failed to see the humor it was just a little it was it was an adorable creature I'll have to get you a, a, a Nuna doll one day.
0: Are we going to continue this rescue mission or not?
1: <laughs> of course, of course. We'll, we'll continue the rescue mission. And uh, hopefully that uh, these rebels haven't been surrounded by these cute adorable creatures. And uh, who knows? Maybe they're, they've tied them up and are going to cook them for dinner. You are trying to make a joke. I'm successfully making a joke, Castian says, as they're walking deeper into this jungle.
0: The definition of a successful joke does require that the audience finds it amusing. I do not.
1: Well, you know, sometimes it takes time for the jokes to land.
0: As you and Laris bicker and spar, you don't notice that the ground behind you is beginning to lift. The dirt being pushed up as if something were trying to climb out.
1: Yeah, Castian and Laris are just continuing towards the temple. None the wiser and he is trying to explain the importance of a joke and how sometimes the reaction can be delayed.
0: How long is the delay acceptable?
1: I'm very confident that by the time we get back from this little excursion, you'll be thinking back of this time very fondly and maybe even find yourself laughing privately or in front of company. Maybe in front of uh, while you're piloting or just pop into your head that you were terrified of a little primate. Child. Uh, A child primate.
0: The shadows in the jungle are growing long. Night comes early when you are beneath giant rainforest trees. And as night falls, the jungle does begin to come alive. You're beginning to hear bird song, long morning calls. You're hearing some chittering of animals, perhaps those primates in the trees. And then you hear one short shriek from behind you.
1: Uh, Castian turns around immediately.
0: As you turn around, you see one of the long primate arms from the trees pointing at something behind you. The shriek wasn't directed at you. It was directed at something that was coming for you. A cry of warning.
1: Castian raises up his blaster. And he's squinting towards the shadows to see if he can see anything.
0: And while it's growing dark, it's not pitch dark yet. Moving like a shadow within shadows, you see a shambling form coming towards
1: you. We were sent by the Rebellion to assist the vessel that was a little bit away from here. We're we're here to help if you're injured, he says, as he's taking a step closer towards this shambling being. Does it look human?
0: Vaguely. Vaguely. It looks kind of stooped, as if it has had perhaps its collarbone broken or is suffering from other injury. And as you are watching, that one form seems to become two, become three, become five. What was once a group walking in single file has now fanned out.
1: Cassian takes a few steps back and immediately drops his hand into his jacket to pull out his lightsaber and he activates it. I need you all to stand where you are.
0: Sir, they do not seem to be responding to your commands. Laris raises her wrist where she does have a flashlight attached and she points it towards the forms that are shambling towards you. And the way these people look There's no better way to describe it than the living dead. Their bodies are twisted and broken in a way that no living creature could survive. Their skin is beginning to rot and fall from their bones. Their eyes are completely glazed over. And yet they move, they walk towards you.
1: Okay, Castian is going to make an uh, an educated guess here that these aren't the people that he's looking for.
0: Unless the rate of decay on this planet is just unreasonably accelerated, these are not the people you are
1: looking for. And that's all Castian needs to know.
0: All right, so let's roll initiative.
1: I have three successes.
0: The living dead rolled two successes and one advantage. Laris rolled four successes and two advantages.
1: All right, so she goes first.
0: So it has been a long time since Laris has been in combat. Let's see how she does. She carries a light blaster pistol. Laris rolled a success, a threat, and a triumph. (laughs) Okay. All right, so. I'm going to say that if you critically hit one of these creatures, they're gone. So in one blaster bolt, Laris takes one out.
1: Just blows up its head and even Castian's surprised. He kind of looks back at her, looks back towards the living dead, and then just kind of nods to himself like, all right, this is the new thing. And he's charging the one closer to him.
0: And the living dead have absolutely no reaction to one of their own dropping like a stone right next to them.
1: Castian's going to take a cut at one of them.
0: They have no defense. They're not wearing armor, obviously. So go right ahead.
1: Four successes and one advantage. So that's 11 points of damage.
0: You are able to take another one out completely.
1: <laughs>
0: that still leaves three left. And you are right in the middle of them. So the creatures are going to swarm you. So they rolled five successes and two advantages plus a two brawn rating means that they have gone in for seven damage. But I believe on a successful hit, before we calculate damage, you get to do something with your lightsaber?
1: Yes, he's gonna take three strain and he's gonna reduce that by two plus five, which is seven. So Castian is able to kind of just raise up his lightsaber, not cut into anything, but kind of shove the hilt into one of their mouths, twists, roll his shoulder, and kind of gets away from seven points of damage. It is an exhausting move.
0: However, if I may, since they were still successful, with two advantages, they can still activate their putrid breath. Whoa. And the quality that comes with it is disoriented, and you have to add a setback die to any of your actions for one round.
1: Castian gags as he pushes one of their faces away, and his lightsaber even just burns some of their scalp, but these things don't even care, it seems. And it just kind of launches this breath into his face. He feels like a larva come out with some of the spittle and hit him right in the face. And Castian can't help but almost want to throw up right there. He stumbles away and he can't keep focused completely on the fight.
0: And now we are back to see if Laris can save the day. Now Laris gets a setback die to her role because she is firing into melee. And obviously would prefer not to hit you with her amazing crack shot skills, apparently. She got a failure and two threats. So, not only does she fail to take out any of the living dead, but the living dead are going to gain a boost die on their next
1: check. Castine has to dodge a little bit out of the way of her blaster bolt that puts him at a disadvantage. So, he stumbles forward, the blaster bolt missing him by a few meters. And then he's making a clumsy swing at these creatures as he's still dealing with spittle all over his face. And Castian got four advantages, no successes, but a triumph. Okay. So the triumph, you said, just instantly killed one of these things. Absolutely. And honestly, Castian will always claim that it was skill that got him that headshot. But it's more of a stumble. He stumbles and to try to catch his balance, he like shifts his shoulder... And that's just when the living dead went for a bite towards his face and it got it right through the eye. It was complete luck.
0: You do, of course, still have your four advantages. What sort of bonus would you like to have for that?
1: They have a harder time hitting Castian.
0: So what you can do is add plus one to your defense until the end of their next turn. I would love that. So there's just two of them now and they have one success. Do you wish to parry or do anything else?
1: No, Castian won't parry on that one. He will soak that.
0: All right. So you are going to take three damage.
1: And he soaks that with his soak. So they rip into his coat and he stumbles away. Glad that the fabric was able to do something for him.
0: All right. Back to Laris. She's back to being successful. She has one success, but two threats. And in this case, one hit from a blaster bolt isn't enough to actually take down one of the living dead. So, the one that tore at your coat suddenly has a gaping blaster wound through its middle and it doesn't respond.
1: Castian is going to try to make him respond with his own attack. Castian got six successes, but two threats. 13 points of damage to its face.
0: Yes, once again, you have just cut one of these living dead in half.
1: But my two threats, I'm sure that could give the next undead a bonus.
0: So the next attack from the living dead, they are going to have a boost die. But their numbers are being whittled down, obviously. Last one. And this last lone living dead gets a triumph.
1: He does get to do a critical injury, I think.
0: Indeed. Would you roll a d100, please? 21. You're off balance as... This undead creature has launched itself and attached to your shoulder by its teeth and its grotesque, rotten teeth, some of them are breaking even as it is trying to hold onto you, sink into the skin of your shoulder. The putrid breath once again is in your face and you are going to be disoriented. You are actually going to have two setback dice on your next skill check.
1: And since I'm off balance, I'm going to even say I, Castian doesn't parry at this one again. He falls down to the ground as this thing bites into him. How many points of damage? Four. Again, Castian's able to soak it, but this thing is definitely breaking skin.
0: Laris is once again going to try to take a shot, but this is extremely difficult as you are no longer in melee, but you are actively engaged. It's It's attached to you. Three failures, but two advantages. So she doesn't hit you. That's what we're going to say those advantages are. As her blaster shot goes completely wide.
1: Castian is able to get one advantage and three successes. As this thing is trying to chomp down on him, he's able to angle his lightsaber in such a way to do 10 points of damage.
0: (laughs) As your lightsaber punctures the creature, you feel its jaws go slack releasing you.
1: Castian pushes it off himself.
0: And it falls to the ground, dead for real this time.
1: Castian looks down as he stands up, looking rather confused at these cadavers in front of him. And then he looks towards Laris. I think we killed them.
0: I would have thought they were already dead.
1: These certainly aren't the people that we were looking for. These things look like they've been dead for a long time.
0: I cannot even identify what some of them once were. They are... An alien species that is completely foreign.
1: Do you have any files on living corpses? None. Yeah. Neither do I.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandable Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandable Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at SoloShotPodcast and if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandable Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Thanks again and may the Force be with you always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far away, a group of outcasts found each other in the Outer Rim. A failed Jedi.
1: Well, we don't have to run out right now and beat people up. We can take a half hour for you. A captain without a ship. I suggest you let your Deveronian friend do the talking and you continue to
0: stare at your stump. And a medic with a mysterious past.
1: Alright, ladies and gentlemen, I might have been half wrong. We might die. Together, they hope to find adventure and a little bit of redemption. Oh, that's sweet. Anyone has tinker buddies.
0: The Redemption Podcast is a long-running actual play podcast set around the time of the Clone Wars, played using the Star Wars RPG system by Fantasy Flight Games and Lucas Books. Check out the show at www.redemptionpodcast.com. A proud member of the Don't Split the Podcast network of shows.